Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and today we're going to talk about the issue of bullying, particularly bullying in the schools. We have uh, two guests with us here in the studio. Midwest Bullying Prevention Project Director Bill Vores is here with us, as is IU Department of Counseling and Educational Psychology Professor David Estel. Es- Estelle. Yes. Sorry, David. <laughs> uh, you can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or – one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. That was nine three four eight. Or uh, you can join us on the website wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can send us email there, send us your comments or your questions. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks Thank for you. Being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this you. is a, a really interesting issue always, but I think it's been more in the spotlight recently since the uh, the death of a young girl, a teenage girl in in Massachusetts, um, who hanged herself, um, and there have been charges filed in that case. Uh, it was a case of bullying, uh, apparently. So mm-hmm. I think that's really put this issue really squarely in the public eye in the last month or so. Um, if, if both of you could sort of start by talking about the, you know, the range of this issue, how prevalent is bullying? Is it you know, in every school and every community, do you think, Bill? Well, I, yes, I'd, I'd say that it's, it's in every school that I've ever seen, okay? And there are – I think there's a, there's a problem if, if we talk with a principal who, who says we don't have a problem with that here. There may be a, a lesser problem with it, but uh, every, every school that I, I believe that kids are on a learning curve and it, it's inevitable that it's going to happen. We see it happen in parochial schools and uh, private schools, public schools. It's and especially cyberbullying is really on the rise. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. David, how, how would you define bullying? Well, bullying is a little bit different than um, <clears throat> what you think of as sort of childhood aggression, which can include you know two kids fighting with each other in kind of equal terms. Bullying usually in the literature is defined very specifically as a repeated pattern of either physical or emotional intimidation where there's a distinct uh, power differential differential between the bully and the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not, that's not always the case in aggression, but there is a lot of overlap between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in the uh, Massachusetts case, I'm sure both of you have, uh, are familiar with that and have probably done some studying. I mean, what, was, what was the dynamic there? Uh, what was the power trip there? If I remember correctly, it seemed to be largely there was a group of students that was uh, harassing this one particular uh, girl girl from Mm -hmm. Ireland, I believe she was originally. Um, I think there was a lot of sort of relational bullying, that is ostracism, starting rumors, things like that. But there's also some physical intimidation, if I remember correctly. Yeah, what we see with you know, in the the story there was really. uh, typical of, of what happens more with girls and with boys, which is relational bullying, yeah. uh, the gossip, the shunning, the, um, the one-upmanship that, that, that tends to happen. And, and again, I think that there was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was a lot of online stuff that was going on with, with this case, as there are with a, a lot of these cases that we're seeing nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons sometimes the consequences of bullying seem to be getting um, more serious is with cyberbullying, you mm-hmm. can't escape it. You know, in traditional bullying, at least you could go home. Mm-hmm. Now you go home and open your email and they're continuing to harass you or on Facebook or whatever else. And so – um, I think that's really what happened in this case is she really didn't have any place where she felt like she could get away from it and so you know, mm-hmm. turned to suicide as an option. And speaking of a learning curve, I think that we adults tend to be on a learning curve too. <laughs> Sometimes the learning curve is a little – is not steep enough or may perhaps too steep because uh, it takes a lot for us to wake up to the reality that this is a serious issue. You know, it took Columbine and Paducah and these different tragedies mm-hmm. that happened to really wake people up to the fact that this is a – this is a form of abuse. I, I, I always like to tell people that the, the awareness of bullying as a legitimate social 
problem is about where domestic violence was maybe 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. When we look at domestic violence and think, well, that's the so-and-so family and that's what happens on Saturday night and there's nothing we can do about it, we now know that we can and we must do something about that. And we can and we must do things about preventing bullying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bullying had always sort of been seen as just a rite of passage. It's just part of growing up and – Part of, part of that is it's true. Yeah. Almost everybody faces it at some point. I think the more recent statistics show if you ask people have they ever been intimidated physically or emotionally, mm-hmm. something like 75 percent say at some point, maybe just once, but at some point they were um, bullied. But that doesn't mean it's not not a serious problem just because right. we all face it. And so, yeah, I think it, it's it's beginning to be more uh, focused upon. And I know and, and from the research literature – it's only been the last like two or three years that people have even started studying cyberbullying mm-hmm. because most of us who are researchers mm-hmm. are of a different generation and so it doesn't really occur to us that you know most students text and spend all sorts of time yeah. online and actually face-to-face interactions are less so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what we grew up with and so we tend not to study right. it. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 if you're outside of the Bloomington calling area. Or you can uh, join us by going to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. So it seems – I think the argument could be made that, mm-hmm. that part of childhood is uh, trying to establish a pecking order as mm-hmm. far as you know, a, a social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between bullying and simply trying to figure out a social hierarchy um, in the most primitive ways that, that children tend to do? Do you want to – well, bullying requires that there, there are several components, several items that go into the definition of bullying and one is that it's a repetitive behavior. It happens again and again. It's a pattern. It doesn't just happen once. It happens again and again and, and, and the, uh, the behavior is intentional. It's not by accident and, and it harms the person and there's so kind a power of a systematic – It's systematic. Absolutely, yes. But you know one thing that we find very interesting is that bystanders are in the best position to stop bullying in a school. There have been three studies that address bystander intervention that I'm aware of that interestingly enough, they all show exactly the same percentage of bystanders. One was in Canada. Two studies were in the United States and and kids were asked in middle middle school, um, would you like to see an end to bullying in your school and would you really like to do something about it? 62 percent which is bizarre. In each study, it was 62 percent of the kids said, yes, I don't like to see it happen. I'd like to do something. But they often – either the kids often don't know how to stand up safely and and often they, they don't get enough support from the adults because the adults often don't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean teachers, their hearts are in the right place but often they don't know exactly, well, how – how, how can we provide the safest environment for kids and create the climate where kids are going to be willing to report? And so that's what we do at the Midwest Bullying Prevention Project. We train schools around the state of Indiana. I think it would be hard for teachers though because if they jump in and try to protect the child who's being bullied, then I'm sure their fear is that they'll just be bullied more because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and in fact, some some students do actually ask their teachers not to try to help out because that will sometimes invite further abuses. And I think that's where trainings beyond just sort of intervening the one time you see it but continuing to follow up are really important aspects because, yeah, if you step in once, it just might end up provoking the bully on a different time period. And there actually have been cases. My, my wife was a teacher for um, two or three years and she – uh, in her own class, stepped in mm-hmm. in a situation, and afterwards, the victim actually told her, "I really wish you wouldn't do that because it'll just make it worse later on." And so, and so again, it's one of those needing that kind of not just yeah. you know bullying is systematic, and so the interventions need to be systematic at multiple levels: parents, teachers, other bystanders, things like that. Because that teacher's not always going to be there. So if you do have mm-hmm. bystanders stepping in systematically, then maybe the child really will be able to be safe no matter where they are. It, it is interesting yeah. that you. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the way you describe that, it sounds like and. You you mentioned domestic violence before. It sounds a lot like cases of domestic violence sometimes. Well, right? yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. Where do they mm-hmm. learn bullying? I mean, perhaps they're being abused at home in some. You know, and I use that word term kind of loosely, but yeah. you know, you, you learn behavior. Right. You know, a lot of these children children do observe it at home, and and it's a learned behavior. And um, and sometimes kids who are victimized. 
the interesting thing about cyberbullying is that often the kids who are victimized can get – they're victimized in vivo, in person at school and then they can go home and get online and they can anonymously harass someone else. So often the, the, the actual victims become mm-hmm. online bullies sometimes. All sorts of re- – why kids do anything? You know? <laughs> I, but they, that they uh, it's an inappropriate behavior. Kids are on a learning curve. And one thing that we always try to emphasize with bullying is not to recall a child a bully, to label a child a bully, but to define it as bullying behavior. That's not OK. We don't allow that here. Um, but not to define a child as a bully and typecast mm-hmm. that child because mm-hmm. – because you don't want change. them to incorporate that Absolutely. label as a part of their as a, as a part of their persona, exactly. as a part of their identity. No, no. Yeah. Plus, I mean, not every bully is the same. You sort of have the colloquial understanding of bullies as these yeah. big brutes without any social skills, and that's oh. the only thing they can do. And in fact, there are a lot of bullies that are the leaders of their groups. Um, you talked about that pecking order. You can actually, you know, attain and maintain status by bullying behaviors. And so, when we think about, you know, you're just looking for the big kid shoving people around for um, <clears throat> their lunch money. You may be missing the very charming, very bright kid who kind of runs the school through their mm-hmm. own sort of hierarchy. Um, and so, yeah, the labels of bullying don't oftentimes help that well to understand what's actually going on, the dynamics behind it. Yeah. We'd like to hear from some parents and uh, anybody, any mm-hmm. teachers, anybody out there who wants to talk about this issue of bullying with us. Uh, David Estelle from Indiana University, the IU Department of Counseling and Educational Psychology is here. And Midwest Bullying Prevention Project Director Bill Vores is here with us. You can join us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website again, wfiu.org slash noon edition. We've mentioned cyberbullying a few times and, I, and boy, the, the – the rate of change just in everything because of technology is pretty dramatic. But um, both of you mentioned that this is a really new area and, and a growing area in terms of, of bullying. Could you, again, sort of describe what it's all about and what kinds of bullying takes place online? Well, uh, you know, I recall uh, my, my great-grandparents um, told me what it was like when cars first came out, that people were telling – people with these contraptions to get a horse. The car is not going to last. It's not going to last. It's a passing fad. There are people that said the same thing about computers and technology, but obviously <laughs> they're here to stay. And uh, when we talk about cyberbullying and addressing, addressing cyberbullying, we're talking about social media, Facebook, MySpace, Zanga, different, different social media platforms like that, um, uh, texting, sexting, um, um, and there are lots of different ways that kids can um, be malicious online. Um, sometimes kids will uh, will do it to enhance their social status and to uh, to to use it as a form of sort of entertainment. It's sort of kicks. It's anonymous online, and it's not the same as. Um, hurting someone in person, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost as if that person isn't really there, and it's a little bit more entertainment. But uh, the very harmful aspect of it is it's there forever; it's out on the internet forever. Um, yeah. yeah, and has a much broader audience too. Um, and I mean, in terms of um, prevalence, uh, a lot of the rates say somewhere between about fifteen and twenty-five percent of all students are chronically victimized in sort of traditional manners. But recently, they found that um, among high school students, thirty-six percent. Mm. had reported having some sort of cyberbullying event directed against them. So it actually seems to be more prevalent mm. than other traditional forms at this Jeez. point. Mm-hmm. Well, another mm-hmm. scary thing is it's so easy to Photoshop um, pictures now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can make things look very believable that simply are false. Right. Yeah, and so if you talk about sort of relational mm-hmm. aggression and mm-hmm. spreading rumors, now you can have a picture attached to sort of back up your rumor whether it's true or not. And that's that's very difficult then for a child to sort of – try to counteract that rumor in any effective way. Mm-hmm. So it's important that parents try to stay ahead of the curve if they – or at least try to, get, try to stay close to the, to, the, to the top of the curve to be aware of what's going on with kids. Um, you know, the, the problem with, 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 uh, with this is not so much a matter of technology. It's a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same – it's the idea of parents need to keep the lines of communication open with their kids as with anything else. Um, um, there are rules that parents can follow um, to help keep their kids safe from cyberbullying. One is um, uh, parents will tell their kids to come straight home from school. Don't wander around. Same thing applies on the internet. 
Okay? Don't wander around aimlessly. If you're going to allow your child to wander around on the internet, keep a time limit on it. Don't let your kid just, just wander around for hours and hours. Don't give away personal information unless mm-hmm. you're absolutely sure you know who you're talking to. Yeah, and don't post any kind of picture you wouldn't want the whole world to see, mm-hmm. which seems obvious. But um, honestly, yeah. we have some issues sometimes with the undergraduate students in the mm-hmm. School of Education yeah. that you know mm-hmm. their Facebook page. I think would be fun to show them, you know, doing mm-hmm. shots over spring break. But you know, their school is going to check their Facebook page when they're thinking about employing them and trying to tell them those things are out there forever. Yeah. And you, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just your friends. You have to be careful about. The information that you right. share. We mm-hmm. have a couple phone calls, so let's go to the phones. And Francis is first. Francis, uh, yes, I'm. Um, it's not about the uh, cyberbullying that that I'm calling about. What actually happens in school between children? Um, I have a grandson who um, is part of the Asperger syndrome. He's not. Mm. He has trouble with social interaction of that sort, knowing what is appropriate. He is a big child, tall and well-built, and he is bullied continually. In fact, this year, twice, we have had physical altercations from the same student who who have actually physically attacked him, and what made them an incident was when he tried to keep from being attacked. Um, he never landed blows. He he shoved the gentleman away. He swung at him once and didn't hit. But what our concern was was that what this child was learning from what the school officials did about it was that actually if you want to be a bully, that's okay because you're not going to be... Um, reprimanded or scolded for your bullying any more than the person who is trying to defend themselves is going to be. When we brought up this situation to the school principal, he said that he recognized this, uh, said all the right words, said the only option they had would be to suspend the bullying child, but gave the impression they didn't want to do that. Um, well, let's let me break in, Francis, and ask mm-hmm. our panelists to to respond. I mean, what what can she do? What what should the school do? What- That's kind of a tricky issue because there is a lot of research out there showing that suspensions don't oftentimes help, that it just encourage a kid to be that much less engaged mm-hmm. in school. So I kind of understand why the the school, if that's their one option, may be hesitant to go that direction. But that's where other options need to be on the table because obviously something needs to be done in this case. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this is where we're talking about a systemic um, a systemic policy within the school um, and that all of the teachers need to be on board with this and need to know what what the anti-bullying policy is and need to be keeping their eyes out. The, the, the school needs to have a serious talk with this, this child who's doing the bullying and to let him know that you're, we're, we're going to be keeping our eyes on you and we're not going to allow this to happen again. We, we, we try to uh, recommend um, escalating consequences for, uh, uh, for students. I mean they, they do need to have consequences for their behavior but suspension usually isn't one of the best. And that's, uh, that, that's usually a consequence that happens later on, maybe step three or four or five. So what would be steps one, two and three? Step one would be to have a serious talk with the student and let them know that this is not acceptable and that we will be talking with your parents about this. Okay, I'll always report it to the parents. And I think that's an important issue too is parents mm-hmm. need to be involved on both sides. Um, parents seem to be very sensitive to whether their child's being victimized but you know, no parent seems to want to accept that their child's a bully. And their child may be a wonderful, sweet kid. That doesn't mean they don't bully sometimes. And so just kind of keeping that your mind open, again, maybe removing the label of bullying, that it's not like your child's a bully and therefore we don't approve of them as a person. But, you know, your very nice kid could sometimes engage in these behaviors because if the parents are on board for the bullies, that, you know, like anything else with education, as long as the school and the parents are both on the same page, outcomes tend to be better. Right. And to keep the focus on – to take the focus off the person, keep the focus on the behavior that your child is – your child is, is engaging in behavior that's not allowed at the school, mm-hmm. is engaging in bullying behavior. We're not calling your child a bully because he can, he can change and he won't be a bully tomorrow. Right. Okay, he won't behave that way tomorrow because, he can, because behavior is a choice. Mm-hmm. All right? And uh, uh, 
schools need to understand that this is not uh, teachers and um, and other adults. Um, many of them still buy into some of the bullying myths that it is uh, it's it's normal childhood behavior that it's just kids being kids, boys being boys, girls being girls, whatever. And we're like I say, ever since Columbine. We've really started to enhance our awareness that this is a this is a, a genuine form of abuse that, that can actually lead to depression and anxiety with kids, as well as the adults that those kids become. Mm-hmm. About twenty five percent of adults in therapy in this country consider that bullying, mm-hmm. peer abuse, had some impact on their adulthood problems. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, let me ask uh, you know, on Francis's behalf. I mean, what what can she and her family mm-hmm. do to help protect? You know, her grandchild. Well, uh, yeah, that's always one of those uh, difficult circumstances because, um, you know, you yeah. can't always be there to protect your own kid. I mean, going to the principal is pretty much the main step. And when I was going well, on the flip mm-hmm. side, every time we get asked by kids, what can I do if I'm bullied? We always tell them to, you know, talk to an adult. Mm-hmm. Almost always I get the follow up question is what if they don't do anything, which mm-hmm. tells me that there's a lot of. You know, again, a lot of the adults don't know what's best to do, and so they just kind of hope it's going to go away. I would find. How old is your grandson? Fourteen. Fourteen. I would. So this is a middle school, or is this, this middle, middle school or high school? school? Middle school. Middle school. I would find out whether your school has whether the child's school has a bullying prevention program in place. And um, we have a we have a law in Indiana, an anti bullying law that passed in two thousand five, that requires every every school to set up a safe schools committee. And um, uh, in every district to have to to address bullying in the schools, and so this is something the schools are aware of that they are required to address to address this issue. Find out whether there's a whether there's a program, and uh, to talk with either the uh, Department of Education regarding a program that may be available, or to talk with us, but to find some sort of a program that can uh, that can provide a systemic approach to Bill, addressing the problem. Bill, um, are you familiar with what? Which uh, middle schools locally have bullying programs? No, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm not. We're from Fort Wayne and we don't uh, – we're, we're just launching this program statewide in the fall. And, but I'm not aware of the pro- schools around here that do have programs, no. Okay. Okay. We have another phone call. Uh, thank you, Francis. Thanks a lot for that call. I hope uh, things work out uh, well yeah. with your grandchild. Uh, Marlene is next. Marlene? Uh, I, too, am the grandmother of a child who was bullied uh, – over and over and over again from fifth grade through sixth grade until his parents actually removed him from the school and he will be going to a private school in the fall, a church-related private school in the fall, which is uh, uh, hopefully will be a good experience for him. But it was it became a nightmare. And uh, the school has a bullying hotline. It's... Uh, it's here in Monroe County, and uh, but they didn't seem to have much communication with the parents. And they, the woman principal told my daughter that she just couldn't guarantee that there wouldn't be bowling. So my daughter and her husband took him out of the school book. Well, my, uh, my heart goes out to you because it's so hard as a as a grandparent or a parent to see something like this happening with a child, and for the child to feel sort of helpless and to feel as if perhaps the adults um, aren't helping, at least in their perspective, as much as as much as they can. But one suggestion that 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 I would send out to you and also to our previous caller um, is is counseling. It can help to uh, for a child to get into counseling to learn. Um, to learn some assertiveness skills, some self-esteem, um, uh, to, to enhance the self-esteem. Um, and I'm not blaming the victim. It's real important that we don't say, well, the reason you get bullied is because you don't stand up for yourself. No, that's not it's – the, it's the child who bullies. It's their responsibility to stop it. But um, getting a child in counseling, including possibly a social skills group, can be helpful. Uh, yes, and you know when my grandson was told, "Well, you you, you call them names back," and he said, "No, I don't want to call them names back. It makes you feel so bad." Mm. And I mean, he he refused to uh, 
engage in the same behavior that was what that was done to him. And I thought that showed maturity. It certainly does. It does, yeah. yeah and I think the counseling option is a good point because for children, especially who are chronically um, victimized, I mean, middle school and high school is a time where a lot of kids are sort of uncertain of themselves because things are changing. And then, of course, if you get picked on, mm-hmm. that can undermine your self-esteem that much worse. And there aren't right. cases like the previous caller described. I know um, a colleague had a son who was picked on too until one day he just kind of noticed that he was like six inches taller than the kid who was picking on him and kind of just told the kid, you do this again, I'll put you through a wall. But you know, it was, it was a self-esteem issue where he just – it didn't occur to him that like, wait, I could intimidate him back. And of course, much like with your yeah. grandson, didn't want to do that. But that actually cleared up that one circumstance. But it's amazing yeah. how well bullies are at finding victims that will – not stand up for themselves. There are certain subtle cues about people being assertive or seeming comfortable with themselves. And it's one of the reasons bullying tends to be less common among younger children and less common oftentimes among adults because we're more comfortable with ourselves. And sometimes some just very subtle differences in how you carry yourself may be enough to put off some bullies. And again, like Bill was saying, that's not to say that the victims are doing anything wrong at all. I mean, just because you're shy or something like that, there's nothing wrong with that. But that does then increase the probability. because bullies tend to prey on any kind of weakness that they can see. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Any, any kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for your call, Marlene. We appreciate it, and good luck to you and your grandson. This program sure. very much. Oh. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We've hit uh, the time. We're going to have to take a short break. Uh, we're talking about bullying today, bullying in schools and cyberbullying. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone Information at Smithville.net and from Mother Bears Pizza at MotherBearsPizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org. And the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg with the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're talking about the issue of bullying in schools and also bullying um, in uh, on the Internet and cyberbullying. We have two guests in the studio with us today. Bill Vores is here. He's the Midwest Bullying Prevention Project Director and IU Department of Counseling and Educational Psychology Professor, professor David Estelle is here with us as well. You can phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. The website is wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to send us an email, comment, or question. You know, this, we have – oh, oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say this is a topic that just has so much pain associated with mm. it that, you know, both if, – if you would be the, the parent of someone engaging in bullying behavior, there's, you know, pain and embarrassment involved on that side. And then uh, certainly if you're the recipient, you could tell from our grandmothers who called in, this is just a very, very painful thing for people. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. I was listening to the phone ring. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're ringing off the hook now. (laughs) Okay. I think that uh, one thing I'd like to touch upon is that – I've mentioned this before and I want to reinforce it that we – in order to reduce bullying or even to stop it in schools, we need to address it systemically. We tend to address it individually. We wait until a situation comes up, wait until a crisis comes up Mm -hmm. and we deal with that one child. 
the way to stop bullying in schools is the same way that we, we do our best to stop workplace harassment. We have policies that everyone understands. We go to trainings in our school corporations or our businesses to understand what harassment is, what the consequences are if that happens, what to do if it happens to you, what if it happens to a coworker. The same sort of systemic um, approach needs to be taken in schools. And if we have a minute, I'd like to tell about a really, really great program that we're training called Our Time. It's a program that teach. it's a pre-K through 6 program that teaches children good manners. It's a prog- program that came from England and is the most popular program in England at this point. And it is, it's really gaining a lot of traction here. Um, we've seen this program really turn around schools and people can visit our website to check out more about that. Mm-hmm. Who, who pays for that? I'm just asking because we're all in such crisis right now. We are. And uh, at this point, um, we're in fundraising mode right now. Uh, the reason we're setting up the, the Midwest Bullying Pre- Prevention Project, which is sponsored by the Fort Wayne Center for Nonviolence, is to be able to provide services to um, – to schools around the state, both online trainings and live trainings. And we're looking for – we have a major fundraiser coming up called a, the Take It From The Top, the Great Indiana shave for Bully Free Schools so that uh, people that would want to – can want to uh, uh, shave their head or their mustache or their beard. Um, we might have asked, can we shave our legs? But uh, <laughs> uh, n- no, no we're, we're keeping it above the neck at this point. Uh, and and uh, you can check that out on our website too. But the funding um, comes from foundations. We're looking for foundations. We're looking for corporate donors. Um, so and we're trying to keep our costs as low as, as humanly possible because we recognize that the schools are in – Crisis at the so your, help, your hope is then that you can offer this free of charge to the schools or at a nominal fee? I, I wouldn't say free, but I would uh-huh. say nominal. We, it would be terrific if we could offer it free. Yeah. Um, there are some, some programs we offer where the materials are free, but mm-hmm. the training has a, has a cost to it because we have a number of trainers that um, work with us. So. Two quick points. One is yeah. your website. How do people find it? It's uh, stopbullyingnow.net. Okay, and uh, if David wants to participate in the shave-a-thon by shaving his uh, goatee, <laughs> uh, wh- what's that mean? I mean? How does he raise money to do that? He would, he would go to our website and there's a link on our website that takes him to another site on which he would register to um, register to form a team. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'd form a team and you'd tell your friends and your family and your business colleagues or whoever, your co-workers, I'm going to shave my head if I reach a certain certain amount. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay? Uh, yes, okay? Uh, yes, no pressure, David. <laughs> All right, we have, uh, we, the phones were are ringing off okay. the hook. We have uh, Valerie first and then we have several more callers. But Valerie, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Hi. Thanks so much for this program. Oh, you're very welcome. very important. And I just wanted to offer some information about what is already available in MCCSC. Oh, great. And that is in the elementary schools, the social workers talk with all the classes about proper behavior and anti-bullying uh, efforts. The middle schools all have programs. The premier one started at Bachelor and Lucy Papier, who is an uh, assistant principal, would be glad to talk with anybody about getting efforts going if they don't feel they're strong enough in their schools. Nancy Lumley from CJAM is available. Um, in the high schools and in other schools when they have issues of bullying. And we have policies um, in the school corporation where parents or students can file grievances. And I think this is one area that isn't used enough. And when I talk with parents and students and they say, well, I've talked to the principal, I've talked to the counselor, but nothing really came out of it, sometimes I think they aren't taken seriously enough. They only go through the informal process. And if they show they are serious enough to file a grievance, more happens. And so I don't look at it as a negative to file a grievance. I look at it as a positive because something's going to come of it. And I would encourage more people to do that. And I'll give you the numbers. Uh, Grievance procedure for discrimination or harassment for a student is policy 5517 in the corporation. And if you're filing against uh, an employee because they haven't followed through on things, it's it's um, ninety-one thirty. But the first part of all these grievances is informal. 
talking mm-hmm. with the teachers and the principals. And when you go to a grievance, you state what the problem is and what outcome you want to see. And then they have so many days to respond and agree to some kind of action or not. So you get things going. It doesn't just doesn't stop, and the child doesn't continue suffering. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Good hey, point. There's, I have a follow-up question for you, Valerie. Are you still there? Oh, we lost Valerie. Oh, shoot. Okay. Val- that's Valerie Merriam <laughs> from the Monroe County Community School Corporation Board of Directors. So okay. Okay. Valerie is a school board member, and we thank you very much for the call. Yeah, I think the, the points that she brought up are important because Bill had talked about the fact uh, having a systematic response, much like companies do to harassment. Um, same thing with schools is mm-hmm. having har- – once you, you know, file a grievance or whatever else, you've got a paper trail, which is really important to maintain. Plus, it sort of then puts the onus on the school that, much like a corporation, if they ignore harassment, they become liable themselves in some way. I don't know if it's formal in this case, mm-hmm. but it sort of puts them where it's not just a matter of, hey, I've kind of informally complained about this, but you're not. You now have a formal sort of charge that you need to do something about it. Otherwise, you have systematically ignored something that you were aware of, and that becomes a big issue. Then that's so important, Dave, for parents to keep a log, keep a log of the events when they happened, what they happened, what happened. Um, where they happened, who did it, so that there is a so that there is a paper trail, whether it's online or it's. And by the way, with online, they should save all of. They shouldn't delete any any mm-hmm. messages or any mm-hmm. posts that are that are offensive. But it, in any regard, to uh, to to make a record. Yeah. And that may even help the school. It's not just a matter of holding yeah. them accountable. If they sure. don't realize, you know, if you can tell them all the places where the mm-hmm. child faces harassment, they may not realize that they need to monitor the lunchroom or whatever else. It may help them target their own efforts. to Right. Mm-hmm. And parents need to know that the schools are on their side. Sometimes, you know, parents may feel offended if a school says your child is, you know, is bullying another student. We're not about offending your child. We're about helping your child. You know, mm-hmm. schools are definitely on your side. So mm-hmm. you're, on, you're on the same team. All right. We have uh, Wayne next. Wayne? Hi. May, may I ask how much uh, moral relativism is responsible for bull- bullying? Uh, when, when I went to school, we believed in moral absolutes. It, there was a, it, was, it was a Christian basis, but it, that resulted in moral absolutes. And the moral problems we had in school were running in the school halls, um, talking in class, chewing gum in class. Now the dominant philosophy is, is moral relativism, no, no moral absolutes, virtually no moral rules. And when, when there are no moral rules, the strongest rule, in other words, the strongest make the rules, the bullies make the rules. Would you please comment? All right. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, that's a good question because I'm not sure anybody has, I mean, from a research perspective, which is really my background, um, has ever really studied it and specifically in those terms. Um, I do know some research has shown when they're looking at sort of the moral reasoning of bullies versus other children. I've actually found that oftentimes they have the same level of moral knowledge in terms of what's right or wrong, but they have very low um, moral motivation is what they found. So the Mm -hmm. kids kind of know more or less what's right and wrong but just don't care to bother to do it. Um, And this really kind of came up because the question was do you need to educate bullies more about being – empathetic or what, what's the right thing to do and it seems to be more they know what the right thing to do is you just need to more teach empathy so that they'll choose to do the right thing. Um, but in terms of sort of the socio-historical perspective, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you have uh, some insight on that. Not beyond what, you, what you've said. Um, I mean there does seem to be a sort of a degradation of civility in this, in this culture. I mean we see it in the, in the media. We see it on TV. I mean, it's hard to turn on the TV in the evening um, without without seeing you know, mean spiritedness. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's important for parents to really monitor their kids' television viewing. It's important for us to recognize that the media does have a have a role to play in this. Um, yeah. The moral relativism, it's a, it's a big question. It's yeah, a big and I think that the hard part will be that's more of a, an issue I think for parents just because schools are somewhat hamstrung into – you know you can do character uh-huh. education. You can do things like that. But especially if it starts taking on a very specific religious character, they're you know, mm-hmm. legally enjoined from doing that unless it's a private or parochial school. But every major religion uh, follows uh, a version of the golden rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Treat others with respect. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go back to the phones. We have Lisa next. Lisa? Hi. Um, my question starts out with actually more of a comment, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think or if you agree with the philosophy from the book. You may have read Celest- The Celestine Prophecy, which is um, 
the last thing any child needs is the con- is the contact with other children. And um, the reason I'm I'm bringing that up is because I'm wondering if there are any actions from the schools or op- openings in the schools for volunteers. Adults. Lisa, hold on a minute. Go back to that first statement because I the last thing a child needs is contact with another child. With children, not you know one on one child, but. Um, when children are left to themselves is when the cruelty seems to be an issue. Um, children learn from each other the bad habits that we then look down on. Yes, and so what you're saying, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with the Celestine Prophecy. I've, yeah. I, I've not read the Celestine Prophecy, but that, that was so a very sh- shame on me, but... Um, but but I have read Lord of the Flies, and and so I mean that's another example of what can happen when when kids sort of run amok when they're this left to their own devices, and kids do need adult supervision, and um, uh, but yeah. they they learn within their social milieu with their with with other kids, but they but we know that one way to prevent the best way to prevent bullying if you're going to do one thing is improve good adult supervision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I'm wondering right. the, the the question then is. Um, do, the, do the local schools um, welcome or encourage volunteer adults simply to be present, simply to you know demonstrate um, that is not right, let's be nice. You know, they're only going to learn how to be nice if they're taught to be nice. Um, and I'm wondering... What, what's available for volunteers in the community? Well, we have, uh, you know, we, we here at WFIU cover lots and lots of different communities, but we just had a school board member from the MCCSC on the air. So if Valerie wants to come back and maybe leave, uh, leave information with our producer, we can maybe get you that information before the end of the show. It would be lovely if, if a simple solution is simply increase the adult-to-student uh, ratios in the schools and we might solve some, at least some of the problems that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot Thank for the you. call. Thank you. <clears throat> Any other reaction to what Lisa had to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I think she has a point about you can't let children just sort of run themselves. I mean, if you look at sort of the developmentally, the peak periods of aggression, it tends to actually be around two years old. If you think about your average two-year-old throwing fits, and we tend to decrease in the number of aggressive acts after that, but of course the severity goes up. And that's just part of learning to regulate your own emotions. A two-year-old doesn't have a lot of other options if they're frustrated than acting out. And so, yeah, if children aren't socialized against those behaviors. They obviously have behavior problems with the same things kind of with bullying, that at some point with two or three-year-olds, the big kid rules the roost unless they're taught that there are other options and there are other things to be valued. So Mm -hmm. it is a good point about that parents and other adults need to be very importantly involved to sort of help them regulate away some of these essentially natural behaviors. I mean, most Mm -hmm. animals are aggressive in one circumstance or another. We just have to learn not to be. Well, you have to listen and then you have to intervene Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to insert yourself. I Mm -hmm. speak as the parent of a 13-year-old boy and I listen. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to eavesdrop and listen and then just, you know, as Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. You know, you got (laughs) to jump in there and, and, uh, uh, you know, take advantage of those teaching opportunities because... Little it, things get can grow. And we need to be very optimistic about this. I think we need to really see the glass half full. Um, like I said before, 62 percent of kids, at least in these large studies, one was in Virginia, one was in British Columbia, and the other one was somewhere else in the United States, 62 percent of kids want to stand up for their peers, want to, want to know how can I do this. But you know there's something called groupthink, which, uh, mm-hmm. which, which means that it's hard for you to be the first person to step mm-hmm. up. So, kid, that's, again, why it's so important that there's a systemic approach within the school where regularly, like they're doing in in Monroe County, where the social workers get into the classes and talk about this to let them know that this is a good thing. Stand up for kids when you see this kind of thing happen. Yeah, I think there's a point well taken. I mean, uh, somewhere around 15 Mm -hmm. to 25 percent of kids are victimized. About 15 to 20 percent are chronic bullies. And if you add Mm -hmm. those together, that means basically everybody who's not involved in bullying tends to want it to stop. But a lot of times they do report that they don't want to step up because, hey, at least they're not the one being targeted. And if you're the one who tries to step in, you just may put yourself in the crosshairs. And so, again, if you have that systemic approach or if the kids are aware that if I step up, somebody will back me up. Mm-hmm. You know, bullies will oftentimes mm-hmm. – it is somewhat true that they'll back down if they're confronted. It's just you know, if you're one person confronting one bully, that's probably – And kids need to know how to confront safely. Exactly. Yeah. They need to know how to confront safely because often when you talk with, <laughs> with kids about confronting, well, what that means is you're going to go punch someone in the nose. You're going to call them names back. 
No. Right. Conf- confrontation means safe confrontation, standing back four or five feet to get stay out of their personal space, using respectful language, making a clear assertive statement. We want this to stop, you know, yeah. but not to be they, – they need to be taught how to safely do it as individuals and as a, as a small group to, to, to talk with someone. Yeah. Well, I, I can just sort of picture yeah. though in a, you know, a fifth grade yeah. setting, somebody standing back five feet and saying, we want this to stop and the person who's ex- showing the bullying behavior saying, well, who's going to make me? I mean what's the response to that? The response to that is if you don't stop, we're going to report this to the principal right now okay. and we're not going to let it happen. Right. I'm just or the I'm, teacher I'm who trying to learn in case I'm bullied. Sure. In yeah. The future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We uh, we have about <laughs> eight or nine minutes to go. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. The website wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Sarah is next. Sarah. When I placed this call, I was I was concerned because I didn't hear any specifics being told uh, of the ilk that you might teach in training sessions. Uh, since then, I was relieved to hear what Valerie and Miriam said about the Monroe County Schools, and you've been talking a little bit about specifics, but can you give us any kind of rundown of the kinds of things you teach in your training sessions? We do. This is the Midwest Bullying Prevention Project, and you can reach us at stopbullyingnow.net. Um, all of the programs that we offer are not even up on the website yet because we this project is is just being launched, but we train the Olveus Prevention Bullying Prevention Program, which is sort of the granddaddy of, of all of them. Uh, Bully Busters, which is a, such a program for um, K through eight. We train the R Time Program, which I touched on briefly before, um, which is K through six. We teach we we train a cyberbullying program with two components. One is for grades three through five, and the other component for, is for grades six through twelve. And the 6 through 12 program is a little – is very interesting in that um, the – we would train the school and it would be a, generally a two-hour training and the teachers then learn how to present this program within their class and the, the 6 through 12 year – 12 grade students actually learn how to create a safe website, how to, how to create a safe website and the, all the bells and whistles that they need to keep themselves safe and other kids safe. Um, we also teach programs from the with using free materials from the Stop Bullying Now national campaign, which, by the way, is a great website too. The, the our website is stopbullyingnow.net. The national campaign, which is sponsored by HRSA, is stopbullyingnow.hrsa.gov. And there is this 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 website is designed for uh, tweens. Um, kids in middle school, basically, and uh, it has information for parents, kids, teachers, mental health, and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if yeah. if uh, to sort of follow up what Sarah said, I mean, if if each of you, I know there are, there are, it's complicated. There are many many things that need to be done. But if you were going to offer a, a parent, let's say, mm-hmm. that like a, the number one thing to number one tip you could offer a parent if the parent thinks his or her child is being bullied. What would it be? Take it seriously. Take it seriously. Have the conversation with the child, and um, and and follow up with the school because this usually happens at the school, and it's usually something that needs to be um, dealt with at the at the school level. But mm-hmm. One thing: take it seriously. Have the conversation. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part. All of the more successful bullying prevention programs, starting with the Olveus Project. Um, tend to be multi-tiered. You know, it's going in mm-hmm. and training yeah. counselors and school psychologists and principals yeah. and teachers what they need to do, mm-hmm. uh, educating the children about the consequences of bullying in the various forms, uh, giving them social skills to uh, deal with conflict in other ways um, or stand up for yourself if you're you know, more of a shy child. And, then, and they also usually involve the parents. And those have been the only ones that have been really majorly successful. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, if you just do one thing at one time, it, it tends to be limited in its success, which, makes, which is hard when you have 
you know, a parent saying, what can I do? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times the response is, you alone can't do that much except trying to force everybody else on this mm-hmm. larger context. To, well, to yeah, get you can kind of coordinate the plan um, yeah. mm-hmm. and make sure all the right players are involved and, and, you know, be responsible for pulling together the folks who need to be involved. Exactly. But you can't, there's not like a magic pill that you just tell your child, well, if you just say this one thing or do this one thing, that'll end it. Because most of the time there's there's just no sort of easy fix to the solution. Okay, we have another phone call. Let's go to Sam. Sam? Uh, hey, Sam. I have, I, have, I have two of my kids work for MCSC for the school supervision and substitute teacher. I think uh, it's kind of interesting that when they come home, they tell a story, you know, in the school supervisor, uh, a pre-class supervisor, they come in, punch him in the stomach and do all kinds of things that are very aggressive ways. So I don't know that even adults uh, 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 show in the playground do any good because, on the other hand, when they have substitute teacher work on it, often they send a teacher, uh, you know, kindergarten kid or grade school kid to principal office. What they do is, if they have problem with the uh, discipline, they what they do in the principal office give them candy and sit there. So I didn't see any. In general, I think the school some kind of get. Uh, Get no way to discipline kids because of the problems. So you're saying sometimes uh, the kids will be sent to the principal's office, and it's almost a reward. Um, yeah. yeah, there there are some really creative things that can be done with um, kids for logical consequences. One that we like to recommend is. Um, First of all, remember that the the, the, ki- the child is bullying is probably not a bad kid. Okay, he's just engaging in bad behavior. Send that child back out to the playground, and as a consequence, as a consequence, um, have that child report on at the next recess period. Report on three acts of kindness that he witnessed, and report back to the principal on three acts of kindness that he witnessed. As an example. Hmm. Yeah. It's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, Make them more aware of the other, we, we yeah, have, the other right. side of things. We yeah. only have a couple minutes to go, and I, you know, we've been talking a lot about, um, I think, a lot about physical stuff. I know you're on the board. Are you still on the board of the Ophelia Project? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about Great, that? Yeah. Because that's, a, that's based basically about teenage girls, if I remember right. Well, yeah, it, it's the issue of relational aggression, which is using sort of the social context against the students. So it can be spreading rumors, ostracism, things like that. And it was traditionally sort of viewed for a long time there as, quote unquote, girls bullying because it seemed to be more common. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep finding that boys do it too, especially more and more so now that there's you know zero uh, tolerance policies for physical bullying a lot. You know you will get caught if you punch somebody, but if you start a rumor, it's a little bit more difficult, and it is a more difficult issue to deal with. You know if you do start a rumor or something like that, mm-hmm. tracking it back to its source, especially if uh, and a lot of children who do involve are involved with relational aggression um, are actually pretty socially skilled because you need to be mm-hmm. to pull it off. Mm-hmm. That's and right. if you start the rumor by saying I heard, you know, then there's not really an original source. Um, you know, things like ostracism, refusing to sit with somebody. You know, a school can't mandate that everybody be friends. You know, if you say you don't like a kid because of X, Y, and Z, are you being relationally aggressive or are you just being honest? You know, and so it's a little bit harder to have sort of a black and white issue on it. Um, but a lot of it is mm-hmm. where it's sort of teaching children the negative consequences, teaching, having them imagine. It's kind of you know it when you see it and what if somebody did that to you and broadly just sort of teaching respect. And the Ophelia Project and Lucy uh, Papier that uh, mm-hmm. she was mentioned earlier was also on the board um, and has done a lot in that way. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to have to cut you off. I've gone over time. Mm-hmm. I want to thank Bill um, and David both for being here with us today. For Mary Catherine, for producer Ariana Prothero and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.